Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yes, I, I didn't have any skills, obviously, so I lost everything quickly. But it gave me a brief insight into what the world of entrepreneurship looked like. It's not just about making more money and having the car and having the house. Honestly, what I've learned over the years and after making $3 million online is it's about freedom, freedom first. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is a rainy day here in North Carolina, and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Leader Connect, Ignite Management Service, and Liberty Strength. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. Now, today we're talking about the journey of leaving the corporate grind and starting your own business, and my guest is Stephen Pemberton. After leaving his corporate job in 2020, he and his wife successfully built two seven-figure e-commerce businesses. We sat down and talked about the lessons he learned from failures and successes of the transitioning from the corporate world to entrepreneurship. Now, if you've ever thought of starting your own business, I highly encourage you to listen to this episode first before you do it. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Stephen Pemberton. After spending five and a half years working in corporate, Stephen quit his job in 2020 and started his own business. Stephen and his wife have built two seven-figure e-commerce businesses, generating over $3 million in sales. Today, they own and operate Elevatum, a business consultancy, and Holoco, a virtual events production company. I'm excited to have him on the show to learn how he successfully escaped the corporate grind and the lessons he learned along the way as an entrepreneur. So, Stephen, welcome to the show. John, thank you so much for having me. It is good to meet you, and I'm excited to uh, hear your journey as an entrepreneur. As we as we discussed before we pressed record, I've been down the, uh, the road as well, so we may be comparing some notes here. But uh, first of all, let's tell you talk about your story. What motivated you to leave your corporate job in 2020 and become an entrepreneur? So... That's a great question, just because there's so many different routes that led to that decision. But the big one overall 
was in, I've been through so much. So my wife and I, we were married young, had a kid young. We started a business young, failed in a business young, lost everything, gone bankrupt, done all this stuff leading up to 2020. We had also started an Amazon business the year before that, well, actually towards the end of 2018. So through 2019, it had gone from zero to over a million dollars in sales. Profit margins were terrible though. So 10% margins. So it wasn't exactly like I was running out the door of my corporate job. We had a financial backer that took about half of that. So we made less than what I was making corporately. But what was really the turning point for me was in May of 2020, I started having anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. So for the first time ever, I'd had these anxiety attacks, even though I'd been through everything I just laid out there a second ago, I'd never had an anxiety attack until then. And I was having one every single day. And it was so bad that I'm, I am literally crying every day on the way to work. And I just remember talking to my talking to my boss's boss, because there was no no middleman. I was running two different shifts. And I was a leader over two shifts. And there was only one guy who was above me who owned the location. And so I'm talking to him and I said, hey, this is what I'm going through. And I said, I'm having an anxiety attack right now. And I just start crying. And he just taps me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, don't worry about it. It'll get better. And he walks off. And I just remember thinking, "There, it's not getting better. It's not going to get better that simply. So what ends up happening is over the course of the next couple of weeks, I just get more and more this feeling that I'm supposed to leave that job and go home, start working on the business. I had skill sets from being in corporate because I was over supply chain and logistics. And so that, that melds really well with e-commerce. So when I finally did make that choice, I put my two weeks in and then two weeks later I left, which was June 26th. That was my last day. But that was really the culmination of not just a moment, not just a month, but five and a half years of, of on average working 12 to 14 hours over the span of the four months before quitting. I was running two different shifts. I was over almost 40 people. And that was really, really difficult to be over a morning shift and a night shift. And that was that was a lot. It sounds like almost that there was a entrepreneurial pull uh, on you, even when you were in your your corporate you know job. Yeah. You were you felt led in this direction. I mean, I think a lot of people do, and and some people, I, you know, I would say jump too early, and you know they try something that doesn't work. Um, but you know, talk to me about your you you had it sounds like you had a desire right from the get go to to do to become an entrepreneur. So what's hilarious that you would say that is growing up, I would never have said that about myself (laughs) just because when I was really young, so those formative years of zero to eight years old, I had seen my mom and dad, they both worked in a full-time job until they retired a few years ago. They were in that job for over 30 years, same job, 30 years. So you can imagine growing up in Tennessee, that's what I was taught was you go to school, you go to college, you go graduate, you get a job and you stay in that job forever until you retire. So there was nothing that really innately told me, hey, you're going to be a business owner one day. But I saw my mom. And honestly, there was actually the opposite had happened because in those formative years, I'd watched my mom just jump from business to business to business as her side hustle. She was doing every kind of MLM that was out there. And then she was doing some other things on the side. So she was working a full-time job and doing a bunch of this other stuff. And I just remember it causing a really big divide in our family. But one thing I did know was when I got a little older, there was this video game that came out. I used to love playing video games and it was on the PlayStation two and it was called need for speed most wanted. So I'm sitting there and I'm driving my little Lamborghini around and there's a, a mansion that's on the beach of this video game. And I just remember pulling up in front of it and I said, I'm going to own something like this. And I disclaimer, I'm not there yet, but what that, in, what that did for me was that just built belief that I could. 
And looking back on that moment, it made me realize that there, I, I never saw that as the path working. My first job was at a movie theater, making $7 an hour. I'm not going to own the Lamborghini and have a mansion. Then going and working at the post office, that wasn't going to do it either. So then when I went into corporate a few years later, I realized that's not going to do it, e do it either. But I'd had this moment where I'd quit my job at the post office and I'd gone into business. And yes, that business failed, but that doesn't make me a failure. What I got to learn from that experience was there was, I got to taste freedom for a moment mm. where it was just, okay, I'm, I don't report to anybody. Yes, I, don't, I didn't have any skills, obviously, so I lost everything quickly, but it gave me a brief insight into what the world of entrepreneurship looked like. It's not just about making more money and having the car and having the house. Honestly, what I've learned over the years and after making $3 million online is it's about freedom, freedom first. When you're able to have that taste of freedom, it's changed everything for me. It's interesting that you went in that direction because I think a lot of entrepreneurs do talk about the Lamborghini and the and the you know the ocean you know mansion and what have you. Yeah. Uh, and and maybe that's what motivates them maybe to get started. But for me, it was always the freedom aspect. And yeah. and uh, I worked 22 years in corporate working for other people, and I ran eight different manufacturing businesses that were always other people's money and other people's way they wanted to lead people. And I, after after 22 years, I just said. It's hard for me to sort of almost give up on who I am to choose another person's version of good. leadership. And so for yeah. me, it was, it was, I want to do this on my own and be able to lead people the way I want to lead them. And what I, what I found was that freedom was incredible because I didn't, I didn't realize it was almost like beating your head on a, on a wall. And then when you stop, you're like, well, that doesn't hurt anymore. You know, that that's the way it felt when I started like on my own business. I'm like, Oh, I don't have to beat my head on a wall anymore. I just can, I can just do things the way I want to do things. So I was, that was clearly, there was a misalignment between me and the companies I, I worked for, you know, towards the end, especially towards the end. And so I think that's what a lot of people see is that, you know, when they're misaligned, it sounds like you're misaligned too, because you're yeah. having anxiety. So it's time to like do something where you're more aligned to, which is what it sounds like for you. That was uh, the case of going on on your own was more aligned yep. to your own personal goals and missions and what you wanted to get out of life. Yeah, that's 100% correct. I love what you just said, because there's there's a quote I heard it just last week that said, when you're an entrepreneur and you've been an entrepreneur long enough, you're unemployable. I can't go get <laughs> a job now because I don't I like the way that I run things. I like the the way that I take care of things because my number one goal as a leader is to take care of my people. I learned this working in corporate was I never I never really played well with upper management. And that that got me in some hot water from time to time. But I just realized why would I treat my people like numbers and like cogs in the machine when I could treat them like people? If I treated them like people, I took care of my team. My team would always take care of me. I took a location from the worst location in the entire region to the best location in less than 90 days just from loving on my team and taking care of them and actually doing what I said I was going to do. It wasn't really, really hard, but what I realized in that moment is as, as I got closer to actually exiting that corporate career is there wasn't room for me to grow anymore. There was a, a gentleman, so I was running both shifts and I was supposed to go up and get this, this higher paying position, become mid management and take over a, a lot of supply chain and logistics but what happened is this guy who was really bad in another part of the region, he was the vice president of the region, got demoted into that role. Mm. And when he got demoted into that role, that's when I started having the anxiety attacks because I felt capped. He did not treat people correctly. I watched him scream and yell at my team. And I go, these are my guys. This is my team. 
I have built them up. I've been, I've been there with them when they've been going through a divorce. I've been there with them when their car was getting towed out of the parking lot. It's like, I've been there. It's like, so you're here, you just showed up and you're treating them like that. I just couldn't get behind it. And that, and like you said, when there's that, when there's that misalignment and you have the opportunity when you're your own business owner, when you're an entrepreneur, you get to choose how you're going to take care of people. So that's been the greatest gift of being a leader. It's being a leader the right way, in my opinion. I love that. I love that. So we had a similar approach there for sure. Uh, so, so why did you choose? Like I, I'm, I'm in the business that I've, I've been in my whole life. So uh, yeah. I mean, I'm in the manufacturing side of things. Why did you choose consulting, uh, consultancy, and virtual events? How did you end up in those two, uh, those two, I guess, industries? Yes. So amazing rabbit hole of how that happened. So <laughs> in 2020, when we when I left that job, we were doing Amazon. Amazon ended up shutting us down. Amazon is really finicky. So oh, yeah. at that time, we we spent $15,000 on a pallet. We bought it from this guy who had the, the nice house, who had the car. He sends in this pallet, but he doesn't send it in with the right paperwork. So we get shut down. It doesn't hurt him. It hurts us. So there's we go from, hey, we're doing pretty good to $100,000 in debt in a moment, one moment. And if, if you guys are listening, if you don't know about Amazon and they shut you down, they hold your money forever and ever. They do not release it after a return window. And that doesn't make a ton of sense from a business perspective and business practices, but I digress. But what ended up happening was it became a blessing for us because two months later, when we're sitting there stressed out, how we're going to make income, how am I going to put food on the table? That's when we ended up discovering another business through Shopify, through Facebook, Instagram, just those different channels that ended up going to a million very quickly. By the end of 2021, we started helping a whole bunch of underprivileged kids, which was amazing. But what ends up happening in 2022 is there's just so many different waves with because we were using Facebook as our main channel that there was times that we're doing three, 400 orders a day. And then Facebook come in and say, like, hey, we're just doing a, a, a security check, just making sure everything's good. And they would shut your account down to do for one single day. But they shut your account down for one single day. That's three to 400 orders shut down in one day. So that is a significant amount of revenue and a significant amount of profit that is gone because of that. And then we would just watch our traffic fluctuate so much that it got to the point where we were, like, faith is big for us. We're just in there praying and we're just saying, okay, what are we supposed to do? And we just felt as if we were supposed to give up that business and we decided to, to just let it go because it was not giving us any peace anymore. And a few months later, so what we started doing immediately after is we started working with brick and mortar stores. We helped them come online. And so we were using the skill sets that we have. That's where the business consultancy kind of started. That was the brainchild for it at that moment. But there was a lady came to me and she said, Stephen, I've spent $10,000 on consulting to run my online event. We'd already run some of our own. We had a mastermind. We had, we were running virtual events to help marriages of all things. And so this lady had seen a couple of them came to me and said, Hey, I've done this, but I still have no idea how to set anything up. Can you just help me out? And I said, sure. And so I gave her this prize. She paid it. We came in, we set it all up, we filled it and ran it and she got really good success. And I said, hey, maybe there's something here. And after that, we got and we signed on with a big PR agency who was running all their events. And so that went pretty well, just being able to get that exposure. And then after that, we've just been in that industry ever since. That's been the main thing. And it's just been really fun to help coaches and consultants to just be able to get their voice out there. And that's the that's how we progressed. That is just a way it was a it sounds simple now. But that yeah. was a wild ride back then. Well, you know, there's two things that really stand out for me. And, and again, uh, people who are listening in, if you're if you're considering an entrepreneurial route or you're in an entrepreneurial route, there's a couple of lessons here that I that I noticed. One is 
full dependency on other people. So when you're depending on an Amazon, for example, or if you're depending on Facebook, you're depending on Twitter, yep. you're depending on any one of these social uh, media platforms to to assist in your business, at any point in time, they can change the rules or do something to you and can shut you down completely. And you 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 live that story. And I've had many friends that have lived that story as well. So, you know, wh- whatever you're doing, be careful not to be fully dependent on one social media company that can get, that can change their rules overnight and, and your, your business revenue completely disappears. So one is you learned that lesson early on and you made it yes. just now where you're not dependent as much. So nope. that's one. And the other thing I noticed too is you took the skills you learned doing things that didn't end up fully successful to create something that was fully successful. In other words, the skills that you learned through failure in, 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 in some cases helped you be successful. And I think we forget about the power of failure in helping us learn skills that are going to help us be successful. Would you say that's yep. probably some of what you learned through that? A hundred percent. And I think the reason why that is, I love that you bring that up. I had a guest on my podcast last week and he said the same thing. It's like, people are just afraid to fail. Yeah. And I said, it's because of the the negative connotation around the word fail and failure. Mm. When you hear a lot of people, they internalize that, that if this thing didn't work, that means that I'm not good. That means that I failed. That means I'm not taking care of my family. That means I'm not doing the right things. But what if you change that? And you said, what did I learn from that? Yeah. And that's what happens. Because for me, as I was able to say, this is what I learned. Now, this is what I learned running e-commerce businesses and having, had we over a span of time, we had 10 employees like that. This is what I know. When I was in corporate, I was over 30 different people. I had to hire and fire all the time. It's like, this is how, this is what I know. And then when you have the skills, you can transition that between industries. It may take a little more time. I've realized that when you go from B to C to B to B, it's a whole different ballgame, whole different world. I went from hiding behind the the screen and just typing on the keyboard and just moving some stuff on a spreadsheet to to make money to where it's like, I've got to be interactive with people. I've got to do network. I've got to make content, whatever that is. But what was amazing is like you said, is no longer am I fully reliant on any single platform. That's been a thing that we've learned. And even when we go back, because we still are consulting, I just had a client sign up today that we're helping her, we're consulting her for the next six months to grow our e-commerce store. It's not as if we took those skills and just threw it in the the dumpster because it didn't work out. They absolutely did work out. And what's beautiful is now we're able to say, hey, don't do this. So when you when you go through an experience, it's not that you become a failure and you just got to hold this weight for the rest of your life. When you learn the principles of what didn't work, you can go and help somebody and help them actually be able to avoid huge milestones like that so they can succeed. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. As a leader, you're responsible for the mission and the people assigned to you. Regardless of the size of your team, employees are depending on you for their lives and careers. For the sake of your team and the people who entrust you with this role, you need to master the skills to become a great leader. Best-selling leadership author John Rennie is proud to introduce the Qualified Leadership Book Series. This new series teaches you how to become a people-centered leader. Great leaders know that employees who are respected, appreciated, and allowed to grow will go the extra mile. These books provide real-world leadership wisdom written from a hands-on perspective. If you want to be a more effective leader, this is the one book series you should read this year. This three-book series contains the following best-selling leadership books. I Have the Watch, You Have the Watch, and All in the Same Boat for one low price of $39.99. Begin your journey to become a leader worth following. 
Go to johnsrenny.com and get your order in today. This episode is brought to you by Leader Connect, a leadership training company and video platform founded by the leadership book author and deep leadership podcast guest, Neil Jurd. Leader Connect is a video and podcast streaming platform for leaders and teams. Watch it alone or as a team, and each video supports you and your team, allowing you to improve performance and build a great culture. Join hundreds of experts and learn about leadership, planning, public speaking, team building, mindfulness, and a range of other subjects that will help you lead well and build a great team. I'm proud to say that I'm one of the experts on this platform. Leader Connect is offering a 10% discount to all deep leadership listeners. Go to leader-connect.co.uk and enter the code DEEP at checkout. Master your leadership with Leader Connect. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. It's never a failure. It's always yeah. what, what are the lessons I learned and how can I use those lessons in, you know, the next version of what I'm doing, you know? And I think, I mean, our life is, I'm 56 years old and my life has been an experience, you know, a journey of failure, wins and failure, wins and losses, yep. right? But every time, but I'm learning in both cases. In fact, I think you yes. learn more in the loss than you do in, in the yep. win. So this I agree. Very emotional. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can, I can jump into that one because what happened, if you go back and you listen to what I said earlier about Amazon shutting us down and then two months later, we found this business went to a million quickly. That's not a lot of time for a business to go from zero to a million. That's actually really fast to do it in a year. So that did not teach me resiliency. That did not teach me how to persevere. That did not teach me how to go lean on other people to learn because I didn't need to. We, at, at that point in time, because it just, everything was working. Why did I need to actually go find community? Why did I need to find a mentor? I didn't. But what ended up happening is when we decided to pivot, that's where I truly learned real skills that are helping me in business now. I think that the wins are amazing, but sometimes we get wins can become a crutch because if you sit there, especially with us, when you're doing three, 400 orders a day, that's little shots of dopamine all day long. Mm-hmm. But when it goes from you're getting these little one-off sales where you're making five, $10 a piece to where you do one big offer that maybe you only close one of those uh, one month or a few every other month, it's not all the time. Now, all of a sudden, are you willing to are you willing to persevere even when you don't see the wins? Yeah. Because that is a whole skill set. If you learn that skill set, you can be wildly successful if you're willing to push away the pleasure of actually getting the win. And because you'll get them eventually, you if you never lose unless you quit. So I think you learn more from the losses than you do from the wins. Exactly what you were saying. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. So, so when you started hiring, so you know, uh, one of the things that that I that I talk about a lot with entrepreneurs is that you know people are such a critical part to a small business. Yeah. Right? So when you started hiring, what type of skills were you looking for, especially in a startup employee? What what kind of skills were you looking for, and and uh, and what worked? What are the people that really worked out in your company? Yeah. So uh, this is for my company, and even when I was in corporate. I looked for the same type of person. I looked for someone who was optimistic, who they could see a problem and not look at it in a sense of, oh, well, well, was me. I'll never figure it out. I wanted them to see it in a light where, hey, this is possible for us to figure out a way over this. The other thing I looked for is someone that was teachable. I actually never hired somebody based on skill because mm-hmm. the, my thing is that that sometimes can be detrimental. If I had this happen a couple of times because I was at Pepsi, so we would have people come from Coke over to Pepsi and they would say, well, I already know all this. I worked at Coke, so I know exactly how to do this. I was in the same exact environment, but we did it differently. So when they would come with their skill sets, even if they had been there for years, and even if they were a high performer over there, it would detrimentally impact my team. And you may be asking, Stephen, that doesn't make sense. They have the skills, but they didn't have the mentality. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the mindset. They didn't have the culture. So I always, always picked, whether in corporate, whether it was for our own business, I always pick for the culture first. I always pick for the mentality. If they fit my culture, I can teach them how to do the job. That's not a problem. As long as they are teachable, as long as they have a a positive outlook, and as long as they're someone who fits the culture that I've already built, that's someone I'm looking to hire. Mm, Yeah, that's good. And um, I've had to let anybody go in the startup because that's an interesting, because a lot of times we... In a startup situation, we we hire a lot of people we know or yes. maybe connections. And so there might be a relationship outside of work with that yep. person. Just, just you have you had a, an opportunity to fire anybody at this point? Yes. And those <laughs> are those are really interesting conversations because the way that I laid it out was the same way that I did it in corporate, where it's not it's not a rash decision. It's not as if you and I were working together and I just you walked in and you changed your hair and you had pink hair. And I said, you know what, John? Absolutely not. That goes against our rules and regulations. You're fired. It's like, I never was hard and fast because I'd seen that. I'd seen my mom do that where she was just hard and fast. Well, I'm paying them so I can fire them if I want to. It's like, Mm. but you're not, if you do that, you're not going to, A, you're never going to retain good talent. And B is you're never going to develop talent. So I said, for me, is I would just set metrics. Hey, these are the metrics that we're looking for. If you're just starting, this is what I, this will, when we're teaching you, this is what I expect you to hit. If you don't hit that metric, we look at ourselves first as a teacher and say, did we teach them everything? We make sure they understood it. If they say, yeah, I understood it, then we give them a, a few more chances. But then we just kind of have this 90-day marker. Are they progressing? Are they di- are they digressing? And we monitor it. And then over a period of time, we come to them. It's like, hey, these are the metrics you agreed to. You were doing really well. Now, all of a sudden, you're calling into work all the time. All of a sudden, you said, well, I can't be there because my baby's crying or the internet's out or this is happening. And so it just doesn't seem as if you're as bought in as you used to be. What's going on? Then we try to address the personal problems. And if we're able to help them there, then I've seen, I've rescued many employees that way by helping them, not just in the business space, but in the personal space, they've become some of my best workers. If I can help them be a complete human instead of just a worker. Now, granted, if I do all that and then they don't give them any more effort, they still don't hit the metrics over a period of time. Then unfortunately, I come to them and say, hey, this is what you agreed to in the beginning. This is the steps that we've taken to try to help you get there. This is where you're at today. So unfortunately, I have to let you go. And by that point, they may be sad. They may cry. They may do whatever it is, but they understand of why they're getting let go. I've never had someone be physically upset with me. They would be upset 
but they would have an understanding because I took time with them. It was never just this hard and fast rule, unless it was something just really, really egregious. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that, you know, sometimes in the corporate world, the only time people get feedback is when uh, they have their annual performance review, right? So they don't hear. I think part of what makes success as far as being a a good boss is having regular feedback. So if if the employee's not doing well, like you were saying, they know that, you know, it's not a surprise on the annual review. So you're giving constant feedback uh, so that there's no surprises. If you do end up having to part ways, it's because you know, you tried, you did everything yeah. you could to try. I'm, I'm, I always tell people I'm the four strikes and you're out guy, right? You know, I, I'll give you one more chance. Come on, we got to do this. Now I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm cheering you on. You can do this. And then I was like, you know, so, but yeah, it sounds like you do the same thing. And it's, a, and a lot of yeah. times I do think, I think that people, I, I liken it to a puzzle and, and some people are a puzzle piece that doesn't, doesn't quite fit into our puzzle, even though we try, we rotate and we look and we try to find it, it doesn't fit in our puzzle. But that person will fit ideally into someone else's puzzle. Yes. Sometimes letting them go helps them find the right puzzle. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. so good because there's a there's a lady, she's a very high performer. She's been in some very high level C-suite roles. And she said that. She said, anytime we would let somebody go, I would never say, hey, you're fired. I would say, hey, I'm you, exactly what you just said. Hey, it seems as if we've taken all this time and we've worked with you. And it just doesn't seem as if you are the right fit for this role. But so what I want to do is I want to release you to the marketplace because there is a company out there that I believe you are the right fit for, but unfortunately it's yeah. not here. So that would cushion the blow. And I just love that terminology. My wife and, and I use it all the time. It's like, I'm just releasing that to the marketplace because that's true. There's going to be times, even as the business owner, that you may work with a client who is not the right fit for you. And you didn't realize that until after they paid you, are you willing to release them back to the marketplace to have more peace, to be able to actually grow? Because some people take up a huge scope of work. Same thing with an employee. Are you if you've been sitting there developing them and they're not developing, are you willing to release them to the marketplace to be able to discover where they really fit? It's not that they're just terrible humans who just suck at life. They just need to find the right environment to grow in. Mm. What would you say you learned about yourself and your leadership style over these past four years? Patience. <laughs> okay. That's a, I think that that's a big one. I'm still working on that one, but the... <laughs> But patience, I would say, is a big one just because I remember my first ever job, that's actually where I met my wife, and she's been able to see the progression over the last 11 years. And I just, I had a, in my opinion, I had a terrible boss, and I used to go in the back. I was, I was 18, so you got to excuse this, but I would go in the back and I would just get a messed up broom and I would just break it because I just thought he was terrible. I, I would sit there and we'd be slammed, and there'd be three of us, and he would just watch us and say, hey, you guys need to move faster. And I just thought, why not just help us out? If, if you want us to clear this line, you could just jump on a register and we could clear it out just much, much faster if you would help out. And so then when I transitioned and I was in and I was at the post office, I will just watch a lot of people who are complacent. A lot of leaders where they knew I have job security, it's almost impossible to fire somebody because they're all unionized. So I just saw complacency and I thought, I don't want to be that. So, and then when I went to Pepsi, when I, I had a great boss at Pepsi that showed me exactly what it meant to be a leader. I watched him. He would go, he would be on the floor every single day. He, if things got tough and we needed help, he would help. And I watched him do that. And I watched him empower people, not just me, but other people. And he empowered us to go and be great. And he also gave us a lot of challenges. He said, Hey, if you actually want to grow in this company, this is the things you need to do. And he gave constant feedback. 
So I modeled my leadership model after him, but that changed a few things. He was kind of rough around the edges. <laughs> so then when I started moving up the ladder, there would be people I had the opportunity to interact with. I remember I use this every now and then with my son, but I had this boss and he said, everything has a place and everything in its place. Because we were in a warehouse, if you're in manufacturing, you understand this, yeah. is everything has a place, everything in its place. So I used to hear that all the time. So that's something that I still use. And he said something that he that has stuck with me ever since and even into my entrepreneurial career is he said, I do not play in the gray. He said, it's black and white. He said, when you start playing in the gray, things get really messy. I watched a guy walk in and walk in the office and say, hey, can I take, I've got, I'm moving this weekend. Can I take this role of saran wrap home and just wrap my stuff up? And he said, no. And I thought, man, that's really me. You know, it's like, he just asked him really nice. He could have just stole it. But, and I, after the guy walked out and he put the roll down, I asked him, I said, why'd you do that? And he said, because he said, it's company product. It's companies, it's a company. So he said, if I let that guy take it, then what would stop me from having um, the whole rest of the team say, hey, you let him have it. Why can't I have it? Right. And so there's, a, I've, I understand that part. And that's been the part that I've had to learn and have patience with is understanding the black and the white. Because there's a lot of times where me being more emotional, I go, ah, but I, he's in a hard spot. <laughs> I, I yeah, could help yeah. him. I could help him out if I just did this. And then I have to remember, it's like, but if I help him or if I help her, then what's going to stop me from having to help everyone in a similar situation? And then it gets kind of gets kind of muddied. So just not muddy in the water. Don't play in the gray. So, yeah. I like that. Don't play in the gray. I've never heard that before, but uh, it's something to think about. Um, because there's always, there's always consequences to our actions as leaders, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So what advice, is, we have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who listen in, we have a lot of um, corporate people who listen in who want to become entrepreneurs. Uh, what advice would you give to other people who are either considering starting their business or might be just beginning um, and they're maybe struggling? So what advice would you give to people you know, who are considering going down the path of starting their own business? So I would give them the advice that it seems that you've taken, whether you've known it or not, is you're in manufacturing your whole life, right? Mm. So you built skills over time. And then you decided to transition and be your own boss. I think so often, especially in, in the, the digital day and age, is that everyone wants to quit their, their blue collar job and say, I want to go online and I just want to sell stuff and other people send it for me. It's like, but you don't understand the skills. You don't have the skills for it. Mm. So wherever you are, finding whatever skills you have and, and capitalizing on that, if you are in a business right now, then continue to work on your skills, continue to build your skills, the skills that you'll need for that whatever business you're running. If you're in corporate, you're actually getting paid to learn. Instead of looking at it as, well, this is just paying my bills, is actually realize you are getting paid to learn. So what skills can you learn right there? Can you learn how to be a great leader? Can you learn what it means to hire and fire? Can you actually learn what it means to do sales if you're in sales? Can you learn how the marketing team does their marketing? Can you learn the different aspects that you'll need so that way, when you do make the pivot, or if you start, or if you have your side hustle, you can implement as you learn. That's actually something that I've, I, I talk about quite a bit, is everyone wants to quit their job, but just like you said earlier, maybe just a touch too early, because everyone says, well, I hate this job, and so I want to do my own thing. It's like, but what are you learning there? Mm -hmm. Same thing we talked about with failure. If you change the, if you go, well, my boss is awful, but this is what I've learned from them. I learned not to treat people this way. I've learned how to treat people. I've learned that if you leave your paperwork and you don't do it for months and months and months, like this is what happens. So what are you learning in that space? Because if you can learn the right skills there and translate that into your business, you'll go so much further faster. 
powerful advice. Uh, listeners, I hope you heard that. It's something I tell young people all the time. They ask me, what do I do to start my own business? I said, don't. Don't start your own business. <laughs> go yes. do something. Uh, go do what you want to do for somebody else and learn all those skills so that you have them when you're ready to go and do it on your own. I love that advice. It's you're someone's going to pay you to learn. And so go yes. find that person, pay you to learn those skills so that you can take it on your own. Uh, that makes the the learning curve a little bit less steep uh, when you jump off on your own for, you know, as you yep. said, I, I did all my whole life in manufacturing. When I started manufacturing, manufacturing was the easy part. I knew that the hard part was getting customers <laughs> yes. for my products and, and my new brand, right? That was the hard part. But, um, you know, the whole setting up a whole manufacturing plant and, and developing products, that was easy stuff. Whereas that would be hard for others who might be thinking. Yes. So yeah, get someone to pay you to learn those skills before you jump out on your own. So great, great advice. Um, this has been fantastic. Um, how can our listeners find out more about you and your two companies? Yeah, so it make it pretty easy. StephenPemberton.com, that's where everything lives. If you go there, you can find out more about me, my backstory, more about both of the companies, and my podcast is on there. So if you want to hear more from me, I'm on there as well. All my social medias are right there. So that's a one-stop shop, StephenPemberton.com. Fantastic. We're going to put links in the show notes for all of Stephen's resources. And again, if you're, you know, in, in the, you just started the journey or you're thinking about, you know, trying to jump ship and start off on your own uh, and you've got questions, Stephen's there. He's available as a yeah. resource. He can help you out. Uh, if you're in a business and you're moving forward and you need some help, uh, he's also has a business that's there to help you uh, uh, to, to be able to get get that, you know, consultant on board that has done, been there, done that and can help you get your business straightened out. If you're having some problems, he can help you out. So I highly encourage you to reach out to Steven and uh, ask him a question. Tell me you, you, you saw him on the show and you want to learn yeah. more. This is a perfect opportunity to do that. So uh, Steven, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I learned a lot. I really appreciate your story, your journey, and I really wish you the best of luck in, in, in continuing these two businesses and even more in the future. Awesome, John. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. 
Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic electric acid 